0: We are actually on the second week of our Letters from Prison sermon series, and this series is actually about the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison. And and that's it's it's kind of a really amazing thing to think about the fact that that several of the letters that he wrote to churches he was actually writing while incarcerated. And it kind of changes how we view these things. It changes how we actually understand the things he was saying. And I know that last week or, or were we here? I just can't remember how many times we've canceled church because of snow. But I know that Pastor Terry, the last sermon she spoke from this series, she was talking about, um, uh, she brought up uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and the letter from Birmingham jail. And that's, that's an amazing document to think about this man who is speaking truth and speaking justice at the same time that he is incarcerated, and in the same way, Paul speaks truth and speaks justice from this place of he is incarcerated at the time. And what you find is, is his heart is actually so free in that place. Um, and it actually reminded me also of Nelson Mandela. Now, Nelson Mandela, um, he, a lot of us remember him as a leader of South Africa. He also spent decades of his life in prison. It, it shaped very much of his world view was the fact that he was imprisoned because he was trying to bring justice to South Africa during their, their uh, apartheid, which basically meant that uh, there, there was kind of an upper class of people. Uh, the 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 white leaders and then there was this lower class of people and they were fighting for freedom. They were fighting to for full inclusion as citizens. And so Nelson Mandela actually writes a lot about how prison shaped him. I wanted to share a couple of quotes that that he said about how it shaped his worldview. He said this as I walked out the door so after after many, many years in incarceration, he walked out the gate and he said, I walked out the gate that would lead to my freedom. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Isn't that profound? If I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. He also said this. This is just really inspirational to me. He says, do not judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up. That's also really profound, isn't it? Not by my successes, but how many times I fell down and I got back up again. Well, we're going to be talking about a scripture in in one of these letters that Paul wrote from prison. And it's a scripture about contentment. One of the great scriptures about contentment and happiness. Who likes happiness? Why did not every hand go up? Is there really somebody in here? Undecided, yeah. Well, a a couple of, okay, let's start with a couple of facts about happiness. Um, Happiness is, uh, just a quick definition, the mental emotional state of well-being characterized by positive, pleasant emotions that can range from just being content, content, or just really intense joy. Did you know that International Happiness Day is this month? International Happiness Day is on March 20th. It's when the sun is on the same plane as the Earth's equator so that that day and night are of equal length, creating balance in the Earth's celestial coordinate systems. Did you know that physical happiness is created by four different brain chemicals? Endorphin, dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin. I found this really interesting. Human relationships are actually the most... Important external, not external, we're going to talk a little bit about internal happiness, but human relationships are the most important external factor affecting your happiness. The extent to which a country's inhabitants trust each other turns out to be a major determinant of the happiness of that society. That's fascinating. This I find really interesting. Studies in the UK and US reveal that populations, happiness, and satisfaction levels have remained the same despite massive economic growth in the last several decades. Now, here's what they've also found out. When you lose money, you really do get sad. But when you get more money, you don't get happier. Isn't that interesting? So... This thing, happiness, is something we've always been looking for. And in fact, a lot of the world's great religions are trying to answer this question of how do I get happiness? And, and even from the times, times of old Greek philosophers, um, Aristotle believed that happiness was really, he was, he was one of the first philosophers to basically state that our purpose in life is to find happiness. Um, Socrates said this, He who is not contented with what he has will not be content with what he would like to have. Smart guy, that, Socrates. Who would have known? Um, in Judaism, Judaism. think about happiness in Judaism. It's often summed up best by the prophet Micah, who said the happiness is doing justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with your God. Um, in the religion of Islam, happiness is the result of an ethical path, um, of right actions and regular spiritual practices. So regular spiritual practices teamed with right actions. Now, uh, in, the, in, in Catholic Christianity... True happiness can only actually be experienced in the afterlife, but life on earth can bring relative happiness if we practice compassion and moral self-control. That's what, what is kind of lies at the heart of a lot of Catholic theology. Now, Protestant theology, contentment is achieved by receiving salvation by faith alone. This is what was taught by some of the great reformers like Martin Luther. Still, Protestants emphasize a strong work ethic. So you've heard of the Protestant work ethic before? Okay, So uh, still, some some Protestants will believe that because of this, material gain can be seen by some as a proof of God's blessings. So that's a way a lot of religions have kind of tried to look at this thing uh, called happiness. How do you get it? How can you actually achieve that in your life? What I want to do is go um, to one of the the greatest philosophers ever, uh, Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber and many other sophisticated movies, Uh, Jim Carrey had, actually this is a pretty profound quote, he says this, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see that that's not the answer. Isn't that pretty profound? So we want to go now to Paul, and we want to go to this letter from prison where Paul actually talks a little bit about contentment. And one of the things we know is that the church in Philippi had actually been supporting Paul. They've been praying for him, but they've also been giving him material support. They've been giving him uh, things he needed while he's in prison. In prison, and this is a really amazing scripture in Philippians 4, and it ends with one of the most quoted scriptures by all by all football players. Okay, so you get ready for that at the end, and oftentimes it's a very misunderstood scripture. But we're going to start uh, in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. It says this: I was very glad in the Lord because now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course, you were always concerned, but had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and having more than enough. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being uh, poor. I can endure all things through the power of the one that gives me strength, now, Paul, on the one hand, is, is thanking the Philippians for their help. He's thanking them, but at the same time, he's teaching them a really amazement, amazing uh, lesson about contentment. He is letting them know that real contentment is not a matter of circumstances. It's not, I had a good week, so I'm doing good. It is not, I finally got that promotion so I can be happy, Right? In fact, Paul is saying contentment is not about circumstances. I think what we find here is that it's it's not about circumstances. Contentment is all about surrender. We'll get back to that in a minute. Now, I want to take just a second, and I want you to think um, for yourself. For where you're at right now, think in terms of a scale from 1 to 10 in contentment, okay? And let's say... Uh, number 10, if you said, I'm a number 10, it's because you just can't believe you're not in heaven right now because your life is just going so great. I mean, everything is so terrific. You are just so joyful and filled with joy all the time. That's a 10. And then I want you to think, number one is, I can't believe I'm not in the fetal position sobbing right now, okay? And I want you to just think right now for you, where do you find yourself on that scale of contentment? Okay, okay. Think about that. So for a lot of us, I, I think that there's a gap between where Paul is and where we are, right? There's a gap between where Paul is. And oftentimes, our gap there is due to a word from the Old Testament. And it's this word that, 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 um, that is kind of the opposite of contentment. And it's this word, covet. Do you know that word, Covet. What does that mean? Can anybody throw out an easy definition for to covet something? To desire something. Yeah, so you, you desire something. So uh, it, it, we think back in the Old Testament, right, the Ten Commandments. Uh, there, was a, there was a commandment, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's property, okay? This is through, all through the Old Testament. Now, there's a lot of weird rules in the Old Testament, right? Okay, there's one, you can't cook uh, a goat in its mother's milk, that must have been a problem like that they had to make a rule, okay? So, so you don't make rules unless somebody's doing it too often. So that was a problem that I can't imagine why you'd have to put it in there. But, but there are some rules that really make sense still to us today. And this covet thing that, that holds us back from contentment is very real. In fact, even the very first commandment says, do you, do you remember what the very first one is? Well, in the, in the, but there's also this commandment, right, about that, yeah, that you should serve no other gods before me or worship no other gods before me. And if you think about that, isn't that also about coveting? Because you'd be coveting another god. See, see, when we covet, what we really do is we make an idol out of something, Right? We make an idol out of something. When I was down in Costa Rica, I was noticing like uh, when we went to the beach, they have all of these um, masks and things like that. And I remember uh, that that my that my mom would get really nervous when we would go to places like this and we'd see masks. She'd say, "Don't don't get near that thing. That's got power. That's scary." And I asked a pastor about it one time. I said, is that really true? Like those, those masks or those, those old idols and things like that, uh, are they really bad? Are they really scary? And he said, well, you know, idols get their power from worship. Okay? And so think about that in your life. What are those things that become idols for all of us? What are those things that we covet? Because there's so many things that we can we can put in that place, that we can covet, that we can put in that place for our contentment, that we say this is the thing that's going to bring me contentment, and that becomes the thing you worship, because the truth is we're all going to worship something, right? We're all going to worship something, and so oftentimes what we do is we have these things that we covet in our lives. See, most of us seek out contentment as if, and, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, as if we're functional atheists. And when I say that, there's the, I'm not talking about somebody who is a philosophical atheist. And, and maybe there's some folks in this room who are philosophical atheists. Um, actually, when, when, when people are polled on their beliefs, um, there's actually very few atheists in the world. Uh, there's a lot of people who have, though, uh, a theological belief in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. And I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes that's me. There's sometimes when I'm a Christian atheist where, where I, I, I say, I believe this, I, th- I, that I want to find my joy, all of my contentment in God, but then I live as if God's not around. I live as if he's not really there. I live functionally as an atheist. Um, one of the first times uh, I figured out that I wasn't really in control was I got into a car accident. Um, I've, I've been in two wrecks in my life. One was very insignificant. One actually totaled my car, but I wasn't hurt. Nobody else was hurt. But maybe you've been in this experience. I remember getting rear-ended in, in traffic on 270, and the first feeling I felt was anger, and that was before I even knew what was happening. Do you know why I felt angry? Because I was out of control. I wasn't controlling it anymore. Like I was being pushed and it was I, I could feel the car that had hit me just pushing me and I wasn't in control anymore. And the, f- the first emotion I felt was anger at not being in control. But you know what I figured out? I've never been in control. I've never really been in control. And we do so much in our own lives to make us feel like we're actually in control of things. And really, it's it's this big illusion for us to think that we're in control. So that becomes a question that Paul asks us. He says, you know, I've learned that in all of these situations, I'm not really in control. But I can find my contentment. And I want to talk about that for one second, go back to that verse. He says... There's a secret to that contentment. Is God keeping secrets from us, guys? That doesn't seem right. It says, though, it says, I, um, I have learned the secret of being content, and in verse 13, we learn it, "I can endure all things through the power of the one that gives me strength." See, contentment is not about our circumstance, it's about surrender okay? He's saying, I've surrendered to the one that strengthens me, and that's where I finally found contentment. I finally found my contentment when I was able to give up control and understand that God is the only one that's really in control. Um, I want to emphasize one thing. I am not saying that there's not good things we want in our lives, that there's not good things, that we, we ask for God, and God blesses us in so many ways, Um. Who likes bread? Hey, we're about to eat some bread. I love bread way too much. I'm like, like I love my wife and kids, but I really like bread. And I think like, what is, what is, what is the, the, the statistic? They say that our bodies are 75% uh, water. Mine is like 90 bread. And like if I'm really hydrated, it's just like wet bread. But anyway, I could, I could go on for a while about that. Um, with bread, my biggest problem when I go anywhere, and and I had this problem the other day. I went to Red Lobster. Oh, some uh, somebody like like yelped a little bit. Um, they know the bread I'm talking about. There's these rolls at Red Lobster, and man, they are good. But here's the problem: is that you get on the rolls, and then when the lobster comes, eh. And so sometimes I think that the good things in our lives, like these blessings that God gives us, he gives us tastes. You know, an appetizer is supposed to be something that wakes up our appetite. And I think all the blessings that God gives us in our lives, they're appetizers for something better. And something better is, is God, is knowing the power, the love of God in our lives. And everything else is an appetizer. Everything else is a hint of something better that we're, that, that we're really supposed to be going after. And so, so we could we camp out on the bread a little bit too much. We let the good get in the way of God, right? And so, what I want us to do, and just just have a minute right now of of reflection, and and maybe maybe just a moment of prayer before we do take in this bread, um, and we do take in this cup. Um, I want us to think for a second, all of us in our own life. Do you have an if only? Do you have an if only this would happen, I could be happy? If only I got this job. If only this relationship issue was worked out. If only, and you're always looking to that if only to make you happy. I know that I've got several of those places in my life right now. And, and what I want to do and I want to invite you to maybe do today is to just have a moment of prayer and surrendering the if only surrendering the if-only for what God really has for you. So let's just pray together for a moment. Lord God, we know that you love us so deeply that you, you really, God, want us to live lives of contentment, lives of happiness, and that only lies in surrendering control of our lives to you. In surrendering all to you, Lord God, to take these good things and not make them the ultimate thing, but to to give you ultimate worship, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, of, of what you've done to bring us into relationship with you. I thank you right now for this meal we're going to take part in together. I thank you, God. You loved us so much that you gave up your life for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And, Lord God, we confess today that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that we need to surrender ourselves to you. We need to say, God, we just give our lives over to you. We know, Lord God, that worshiping anything else just won't do. And so, Lord God, prepare our hearts right now. And I pray, Lord God, also that you would make this bread be as your body broken for us and this cup be as your blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. I pray that you would let us experience something of who you are even on the inside of us, Lord God. And help us, Lord God, to take that same sacrificial love that you poured out on the cross. Help us to carry that into a world that desperately needs to know a love like this. We pray this in your holy name.